0: Well, good morning, Saints. I'd like to begin this morning by um, wishing a happy Resurrection Sunday, Easter, uh, to those in, from Eastern Europe and Asia and parts of Africa as well. It is that hope of the resurrection that we cherish in our hearts. We are preaching through the Sermon on the Mount, uh, we're in chapter 6. Uh, We are going in lightning speed compared to chapter 5. We are going to wrap up chapter 6 this morning. And I begin with this quote from a secular news outlet. The accelerated pace and high tension of modern life have produced intense anxiety in many millions of people. So much so that in fact it would be correct to call worry one of the most widespread and debilitating ailments of our time. Someone once called anxiety fear in search of a cause. That was from Time Magazine. Speaking of modern life, 1961. So we're going to look at that great topic this morning and see what the Lord has uh, for us. Jesus' method of teaching in chapter 6, there were no chapters when he was preaching, but it's how we have it presented to us today. His method of preaching uh, at this point was to tell us what to avoid. He's now telling us how to live and he's guiding us by saying, you know, you might see people over here doing it this way. That's not actually how it's done, so you want to do it differently. He would use the phrase, do not, over and over and over again. Last week and today, we consider his great teaching on stuff, our possessions, Money, things that we have, things that we need, our physical and material needs or wants. What did he say last week? Do not, do not lay up for yourselves treasures here on earth. But lay up treasures in heaven. Live with an eternal perspective. Do not burn yourself out. Do not live just for the here and now, but have an eye on eternity. He was pointing us to the indescribable inheritance that he would buy for us at the cross. It is laid up for us in heaven. And how could we ever, and why would we ever live for anything less than what he has for us. This inheritance, Peter says, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for you. Purchased by our Lord Jesus Christ through his suffering, through his atoning death, By his resurrection and ascension, now gifted to us, do not, Jesus says, and followed by every apostle and epistle afterwards, do not live for anything less than that. Our control verse in this section of chapter 6 has been verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God. You are children of the kingdom, Jesus says. Now seek first his kingdom. Live for his kingdom. Live with the kingdom in mind. Your priorities, your efforts is for his kingdom. Set your focus, your, your heart, your ambition on him, his kingdom, and his work. Now, this morning we go to part two on his discourse regarding stuff, possessions, money, Prestige, mammon, as it is called. He adds a second injunction do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. He will repeat himself many times throughout this section, three times over. Do not be anxious. Jesus is our master teacher. He has just spoken about what we do, how we pursue, how we live, the grind, our focus on what we can earn, what we can have, what is ours. Now Jesus ties that together with our anxious thoughts. What you think about. The state of your soul. And we need to hear what he has to say. You see, the rich man may lay up for himself treasures on earth. Those whom we perceive to be wealthy, we kind of look at this passage and we say, well, that's for them, but don't make that mistake with this part right here. When he says, do not be anxious about these things. You see, the wealthy person wakes up and says, well, how can I make more? Or most often, how can I guarantee that I won't lose it? Which is exactly what Jesus said. These break into steel, is going to corrupt, is going to fade anyway. And the wealthy person often has on his or her mind, how do I safeguard what I have because I don't want to lose it? But you see, the comparatively poor person with less might be anxious about how do I pay the bills? How can I move myself from one category to another? It can be something that we're anxious about, that we think about, that we obsess about all the time. And I'll say this just a few times this morning. Please do not perceive this section to be a weapon against you. This is not something designed to make you feel more guilty than you might already feel. I mean, let's be honest. Someone looks at you and says, well, don't worry. You're like, thanks. That's my whole life. How do I stop doing that? This is not designed to make you feel worse than you might already feel or to make you feel hopeless. It is designed as a great comfort and a great encouragement to you. And so often we fail to slow down and to consider and ponder the truths of God. Jesus is going to give us such powerful truths and they are designed to bring us comfort, to help our anxious thoughts, our anxious minds, to bring us relief, the The idea, the the subject that he is speaking to is stuff, possessions. But of course, it has application in all kinds of different ways. So please, as we work through this, do not allow yourself to feel more guilty. Allow yourself, with the Lord's help, to be comforted and helped. So in just a moment, we'll read our sermon text. But before we do that, I'd like to show you some stun, stunning images from God's creation. This is a macaw. We have dear friends in Brazil that we partner with. Uh, those of us who have been privileged to go down and to minister with them, literally, you look up and you see them in pairs flying over. They are beautiful. Look at these flowers. Look at the beauty. And the intricacy of God's design and his creation. Keep this in mind because you might know these images will come up in what Jesus has to say to us this morning. Matthew chapter 6 beginning in verse 25. Well, actually, I'm going, to back, I'm going to back it up to verse 24, because there's a therefore in our verse. Whenever you see the word therefore, you want to ask yourself the question, what is it there for? So here's his preceding thought. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot, you, you cannot serve both God and money. Literally, mammon. Therefore, in light of what I've just taught you, Jesus says, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will hear or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of much more value than they? And which of you by anxious, but by being anxious, excuse me, can add a single hour to a span of life? Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, Where shall we eat? What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But there's a contrast But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, I'll say it again. He says, therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Amen to that. Three times over. Don't be anxious. Perhaps the best gift I could give you this morning, and perhaps this is your way of thinking. If you have perceived this as a guilt trip, that he's pointing his finger at you saying, stop it, stop it, stop it. Please rearrange how you consider this passage. This is a very gracious invitation. It's a comfort. He's telling us what is true about us and what is true about him. It's not so much about what you do with your possessions, as he said before. But now, where is your heart? What do you think about? Where are your anxious thoughts? If verse 33 remains our control verse, seek first the kingdom of God. Perhaps a subheading today would be this further statement that he makes. Which of you, by being anxious can add a single hour to his life. Those are just facts. And we know it's true. How many of us worry and fret about something? A, it doesn't happen. B, it didn't happen the way we thought it was. C, it did happen and we're still here. D, it really hasn't changed the core element of who we are. You see, what we know to be true is that we can worry and fret and be anxious about big and little things. But that in itself doesn't change anything. Not one thing. It doesn't help. This is why Jesus is inviting us to flush out the toxicity in our own thinking And in our soul. To trust him. And I'll be the first to say it's not easy. Our natural default is to worry and to be anxious about so many things. Like I said, big or little things. I want you to hold that thought. Remember the little boxes that we've been applying to this this, uh, section of the Sermon on the Mount. Today, we're going to select these two boxes. You can take what Jesus teaches in this section and you can put them right in these two boxes. The first is keeping an eternal perspective, the second is this God loves you and God will care for you. Jesus is calling us to a life that is far more glorious more joyful than anything we would ever do on our own. Let these two truths on that screen soak over you this morning. Marinate on them this week. I'll say it one more time. This is not a weaponized verse. These are not verses and statements designed to beat us down or to make us feel guilty. They are a gracious invitation to us, given to us by God's grace, inviting us to see the big picture and to increase our trust in him each and every day in the small things and in things. The big things, And I'll just say this. Some of you who have grown up in church, you might be familiar with the King James, which actually says, take no thought for your life. That is actually very Shakespearean. That is a, a phrase that Shakespeare uses often or used often. And I just want to say it made sense to the people in the 1600s as they were reading it, but it doesn't exactly convey, which is why the newer translations kind of clean it up just a little bit so we can better understand it. He's not saying don't think at all about your life in the details. That would be disastrous. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying have some ethereal, you know, you just back yourself off and you don't think about anything. Everything works itself out. That was an idiomatic expression back in the day, but it's not today. He's not saying take no thought. We do need to take thought. We need to plan, make plans and we need to live our lives. But what he's saying is don't let those thoughts control you. So here's the first point that we want to look at that Jesus brings to us. They're very simple and they're very direct. He asks the question what is the essence of life? Are we actually prepared, he says? To sit here, we're on this, you know, you're sitting here on this little mountainside and you're listening to me talk. Are you actually going to assert that the essence of your life, the fullness of your life is actually in what you wear, in what you eat, in what you have? Isn't life far more than that? Jesus would also say, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it in abundance. I realize that we don't wake up and and have a conversation with ourselves and say, well, what can I worry about today? It just kind of happens. But he's inviting you to critique what you're doing and how it looks and what it really says. We naturally worry about so many things we can become anxious about them. The Bible says the eyes of a man are never satisfied. We get a raise and we can't believe it. Look at all this extra money. We can pay the bills. We can do this. But then you say, well, oh, look at all these other things I can get. And then you want more. Right? He's covering the entire spectrum. And he wants us to get one thing really clear. The essence of your life does not consist In the possessions that you have. Hands down, the most happy, contented, joyful people that I have had the pleasure of knowing often have very little. And frankly, they don't care because they found one who is so much more worth their affections. I love this statement, this quote. A desire for a good thing becomes a bad thing when it becomes a ruling thing. This is the safeguard that Jesus is putting in place. A desire for a good thing, it crosses the line and it becomes a bad thing When our priorities get out of whack, when when our life is ruled by those things, is it a bad thing to have the bare necessities in life? Of course not. Is it a bad thing to like some nice things? No, not at all. But if that's what you wake up thinking about, if that's what drives you in life, if that's what causes your mind to race anxiously all day long, nonstop, you can't get to sleep because of it, That's it's a bad thing because it's ruling you. And Jesus is inviting us to pause, to step back, and to put everything into perspective. Everything where it belongs. To set up our next point, I will move you now from the professional photographers of the internet that you just saw to my cell phone. This is right up the street from right up the dirt road from one of the uh, villages that we have a, the pleasure of ministering in and supporting and partnering and growing in our friendship. Um, this little macaw um, is very unusual. They're, they're always in pairs, but this guy lives in the tree in front of the hut of someone that we know. And they would often take us down so that we could visit with this little macaw. It's, it's amazing. Like, it's hard to see him in the tree because there are all these big leafy big leaves and and then all of a sudden you find him and she'll come out and she'll call him and he actually comes down and if he's not in the tree she'll call him and he'll fly over like he's probably just checking out you know the rest of the of the area but look at the beauty look at the color look at the design reminds me of a very famous pastor that I commend to you from England. This is John Stott. He's known for his work on the cross for the book of Romans. This week would have been his 100th birthday. He was never married. He had an extraordinary ministry there in London. And well published as well. But he was an avid bird watcher. And by avid, I mean that was his hobby. This was his favorite passage in all of scripture. To read his commentary on this passage is fantastic. I mean, he'll tell you all the ins and the outs of the different birds, where they live and their design and all of these things. It's amazing. I remember my, my grandma and my grandpa... Most of my family, as you know, is in in England. These are my dad's parents. When they would come over, they would come over every couple of years, and they'd come for about five or six weeks. And my grandpa, he loved cardinals. He loved them. My dad as well loves birds. So our back patio basically is like an ice skating rink. There's all kinds of bird seed is everywhere. But my grandpa would just sit there for hours on end. They'd usually come around February, it's often snowing. And there are a few things that to me bring me more joy as far as birds than seeing a cardinal against a snowy backdrop. He would just sit and watch them because they don't have them in England. And now we have a close-up. This is not from my phone. This is a close-up of the lilies. You might know there are all kinds of different varieties of lily. They're just, they're vibrant with color, the design. It's just beautiful. I don't know how well you could see it, but there's dew drops on there as well. I show you those for this reason. Jesus, the creator, reminds us of the birds and the flowers and their beauty. He says, have you ever Looked and seen the birds talking amongst themselves, fretting and being anxious by where their next bird seed is gonna come from or their next worm. He says, No, you don't you don't see that. Remember King Solomon means a lot to them. Remember King Solomon, famous king, wealthy, wise. He said, Listen, he had he didn't know what to do with all of his money. Certainly not with his wives. But listen. He said. Think of how well dressed he was. His wardrobe. He said, now look over there. God erased his creation with such beauty. Do you think those lilies. Do you think they bloom. So oh my goodness. What are we going to do. How are we going to pull it off. No. And he just says this. He says Listen. You are so much more valuable to God than the birds and the flowers. You need to enter into that and to believe it and to know it and to remind yourself of it and be reminded of it that you are precious to God. Now please note, he's not saying again, he's not saying don't plan, don't have a work ethic, don't be consistent in what you do. Don't think about how you're going to order your day or how you're going to get your stuff done. He's not saying that. That would contradict basically the entire book of Proverbs. There's order and there's plan necessary in life. Of course there is But a good thing becomes a bad thing when it becomes a ruling thing. He says, listen, don't cross over that threshold to where these things are ruling your thoughts. And let's be honest, torturing you, robbing you of sleep. He says, you need to know God loves you. God will care for you. You do your part. He'll do his part, work hard Do what you have to do, but know that God's not going to let you go. He's not going to let you down. He's not here this morning, but yesterday we moved Collins into, into a new place. And, uh, what's today? Sunday, Saturday and Sunday, uh, Saturday and Friday, we just got to talking some of us. And he began to cry as he was talking. He says, God has never let me down. Never. Even in his sufferings. Even in his challenges. And he shared some personal aspects of his childhood and growing up. And he says, God has never let me down. And he would give personal examples of people that he knew, you know, taking us back to his younger years, who had turned to soothsayers and such. He says, "I never did that because God has been good to me. He has been faithful. He has shown me that the words on the page aren't just empty thoughts; they're God's word. God takes care of us." Finally, third. The truth that Jesus wants his followers to know. That includes us today. You wake up. And you focus on what's before you in that day. Do not spend your life worrying and fretting. And being anxious about 10 years down the road. 20 years down the road. Now we know, and as we harmonize scripture, we know there's a need to plan, and we know that we are also realists. We know that there's risks out there, and there are, are things that, that are, one thing happens and another, uh, consequences of things happen. We're not saying to just ignore all of that. But what he's inviting us to do is to be fully present today. Fully present. Present now. Not only will your mental health. Obviously improve. The joy of the Lord. Will begin to swell. And to surge up within you. And I promise you. You will be a blessing. To those around you. You will be good news. And I'll say it again. The people that I have had. The privilege of knowing. Who have had. The greatest impact relationally on other people are the ones who have taken what Jesus has said to the best of their ability and lived it. Because what happens is, we talk about consequences when we begin to see our value before God, when we begin to see the eternal perspective, when we believe in our heart that God loves us and that we are precious to him, that he will never let us go, he will not let us down, when we begin to live with the conviction that there is something much greater ahead for me, guaranteed for me, kept in heaven, reserved in heaven for me, by the power of God, I begin to change my priorities. And when I can live in the moment In that moment, I am closer to God. I enjoy the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And because God is more full in me, you are going to see it. And you're going to take note. And you're going to be encouraged. And you're going to watch someone who lives like that. Hmm. I can do that. I can live like that as well Christ is inviting us to trust him more more fully and to set our minds on things above saints we all know the battle in our minds we know the anxious thoughts We read the book of Psalms. We say, thank you, David, for telling me, for verbalizing exactly how I feel. When he talks about all my anxious thoughts. Saints, I am encouraging you by God's grace to let him take you one step closer to being less anxious about stuff. And more fully present with him. The Apostle Paul speaks to this so well. We look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. We need to train ourselves to think that way. Remember Paul's life story. Very successful, very well-respected. Very comfortable. He had everything he needed. He was probably well off. He had the respect of people around him. He clearly had a genius mind. Oh, but when he met Christ, all of that became refuse to him. And he willingly suffered for it. You know the story. I mean, all these old, old people who put the chapter headings in the Bible, I mean, why don't they just say it? You know, for the book of Acts. Name the city. Paul gets beaten up. Next page, another city. Paul's left for dead. Oh, look. Here's another city. Paul's still there. And he's ready to do it again. Why? Oh, because he could see the eternal. He lived like that. The brother that the Lord used back in the 1920s to call my grandparents from England to serve him in Congo for 30 years. He said this, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. That's C.T. Studd. C.T. Studd was the equivalent of Michael Jordan in his day. Famous cricketer could have spent his life in luxury and fame and all that comes with being a famous athlete in the 1920s. But mm -mm, God saved him. And in very short order, he walked away from all of it. And then he began to learn about what was happening in Africa, where in northern Africa, Islam was pushing down. And it was beginning to be very pervasive in Africa. And so many of these believers in the West said, look, we need to go and preach the gospel. And so they did. Hundreds and thousands of them from Australia, the United States and the UK and so forth. And so to this day, you might know that in Africa, primarily central and below is generally Christian. But the question for each of us here today is this. Are we living like this? Are we living like that? Do we believe it? Or if we take stock in our lives, are we actually seeing that, you know what, we're putting a whole lot more of our anxious thoughts into things that do not last. So Jesus commends to us, in general and Specifically, in regards to our stuff don 't be anxious, trust him, work hard, plan well, do what you need to do, but seek first the kingdom of God in just a little bit you 'll hear you'll have, uh, hear from Brian Green, one of our deacons he 's going to give a financial update. Uh, thank the Lord. Um, we have been able, more or less, to keep our budget even through the pandemic. Uh, some of our costs will increase uh, next year, and so he's going to uh, speak to you about that. Uh, we will. We never do um, bang the pulpit over giving uh, or money, because we never want it to be about that. We don't even speak about the Old Testament tithe, which was 10% of your possessions the motivating factor that the New Testament uses when it comes to giving is not a tithe. It is gratitude. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that through his poverty you might become rich. Second Corinthians eight, nine, what drives our giving and our generosity is a heart of gratitude for what the Lord has done in and through us. So please take this passage, reflect on it, think about it, meditate upon it. Do not allow yourself to be weighed down by it, but take comfort from it and encouragement as you walk with the Lord and you trust in him. Let's bow and prepare our hearts for prayer. There are surely so many things even beyond stuff that we can worry about and fret about and be anxious about the Lord knows our frame. The Lord knows that we are prone to do this and he consistently invites us to trust him and to see his provision for us and to be reminded of how deeply he loves us. And I realize that for different people, This, the anxiousness can take different forms and stem from different reasons. Sometimes it is organic. So take this, reflect upon it, let the Lord encourage you with it. Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your kindness and your care for us. Thank you for the good news, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whosoever will may come, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Thank you for the death, the burial, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If there is anyone here today or hearing afterwards who have not put their faith, their confidence, their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that today would be the day of their salvation. Father, each of us are in a different place in our pilgrimage, our walk with you. We are not guaranteed a one more day. We know that. Help us to live in light of eternity. Help us to be generous with what we have, to look out for those who, who are lacking. Help us to trust you, to be resolved to trust you with all of our heart. All of these things we pray in Jesus' name, amen.